Hello, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, and everybody in between or outside. What's up? It is your boy, Maurice McMillan, with another episode of the Don't Quote Me podcast. It is Halloween. It is October 31st, 2018. And I'm hoping you're having happy holidays. Um, I'm kind of like an old person trapped in a young person's body. Pretty much haven't done anything for Halloween since I was like a teenager. Other than like watch TV. (laughs) So uh, yeah, if you're having fun, uh, keep uh, keep having fun. Um, If you're listening to this the day of, I appreciate you. Or you listen to this the next day or whatever, that's cool too. Um, So uh, yeah, I guess uh, Spooky October is coming to a close. Um, I'm going to see. I don't know what I'm going to be watching next month, but... I'm definitely going to cut back on the horror stuff. I might finish uh, uh, Ash vs. Evil Dead, but that's like the only thing still on my list pretty much. Um, so yeah, uh, this is going to be a kind of my first, uh, what's the word, um, my first official endorsements episode. So uh, that's pretty much going to be a majority of the politics section this week. Um, so... Other than that, uh, I had a doctor's appointment today, so I had uh, the day off. Um, that was cool. And um, I'm also taking the day off after election day. So uh, next Wednesday, I should have like a full debriefing of what the fuck happened the night before. Or at least uh, the large, a better picture of what happened the night before. So um, without further ado, uh, let's get into it. First shout out is going to Andrew Gillum. Um, if I'm not mistaken, the reason I'm giving him the shout out happened the day I recorded last episode or the night rather that I did the last episode. So I think it was Wednesday night or Thursday. I can't remember, but really soon after last week's episode. So this is probably old news to a lot of you, but, um, just in case, uh, you don't know what's happening in Florida, Andrew Gillum is running against uh, a man named Ron DeSantis and, uh, they had a debate recently and, Andrew Gillum had one of the most amazing lines in modern politics in a long time. And it's definitely going to be on people's brains for a while. And it's just so easy to use in so many different situations. And it's such a good line that I want you to hear the full context of why it's such a good line. So I clipped about uh, just under a three minute clip of the debate from uh, last week. And right at the end, you'll hear why he's getting a shout out. So I'm just going to go ahead and put that in right now. On live TV in August, on the first day of the general election campaign, you said of Andrew Gillum's run for governor, quote, the last thing we need to do is to monkey this up by embracing a socialist agenda. Fox News quickly disavowed your words, saying, quote, they do not condone the language. Now, you called some of this response absurd. You've made appearances at four of David Horowitz's Freedom Center events, again, four separate times, four speeches, among some of Mr. Horowitz's statements, quoting here, this country's only serious race war is against whites. You know, I'll ask the questions. It's not a McCarthy game, and I'm giving, wait for the question, sir. Okay. He also said, if blacks are oppressed in America, why isn't there a black exodus? Now, in 2015, in your speech before the Freedom Center, you said of Mr. Horowitz, David has done such a great great work, and I've been an admirer. I've been to these conferences in the past, and I've been a big admirer of an organization that shoots straight, 
tells the American people the truth and is standing up for the right thing. Those are his words. Here's my, here's my question. He had not even made those statements then. Uh, yes, he had, sir. The first statement was made uh, many well, how, years ago. I mean, how the hell am I supposed to know every single statement somebody makes? Here's the deal. Let me just say this, let me just say this straight up. Uh, you know, I've lived my life, whether it's athletics, whether it's military, whether it's serving as a prosecutor. You know, when I was downrange in Iraq, we worked together as a team, regardless of race. We had the American flag on our arm. We wore the same uniform, and we fought for the country. When I was a prosecutor, I stood up for victims of every race, color, and creed. That's the only way to do it in our country. It's something I believe in, and as governor, I will represent all the people. Everyone will get a fair shake. But I am not going to bow down to the altar of political correctness. I'm going to not let the media smear me like they like to do with so many other people. So I'm certainly I'm not going to right take there. anything from Andrew Gillum, who's endorsed the Dream Defenders, which says Israel is an apartheid state, and, and which says the police that. and prisons have no place right in justice. Mr. Gillum, wait for the applause. And I, and Mr. DeSantis, I'll point out, I wish you would have waited for the question, because I had a question, and it's not what you think it is. Mr. Gillum, I'll give you a chance to respond now. Well, let me first say, my grandmother used to say, a hit dog will holler. Uh, and it hollered uh, through this room. Mr. DeSantis has spoken. Uh, hey, first of all, he's got neo-Nazis helping him out in the state. Uh, he has spoken at racist conferences. He's accepted a contribution and would not return it from someone who referred to the former president of the United States as a Muslim, N-I-G-G-E-R. Uh, when asked to return that money, he said no. He's using that money to now fund negative ads. Now, I'm not calling Mr. DeSantis a racist. I'm simply saying the racists believe he's a racist. So, yeah, naturally, that shit was so well, well delivered, well timed. Just it's such a crowd pleaser. Uh, he had to get the shout out for that. <laughs> and um, I had already endorsed him before. But um, well, I'll, I'll get into that in this episode. But he was already on my list. But that definitely just he was already over the top. But that just put him over the top of the top. Just like, God damn, you just embarrassed this man in front of his friends and family. And I loved every minute of it. Um, so I am going to be crushed if he loses that race. Honestly, I'm so petty. I feel like he should win that race by three points just for that line. Like, just for that line. And the Florida elects DeSantis, I'm writing off Florida forever. Um, anyway, so that's my first shout out. Second shout out is going to Jacob Wool. Because he made everyone on Twitter laugh yesterday. And he, got, he even got uh, he got mocked by Rachel Maddow and a whole bunch of other people. It, it, it's just the funniest shit. It's the funniest fucking story. So uh, I'm going to give you a quick rundown if you don't know about it. Because when I found out about it yesterday, I just pretty much couldn't stop telling people. Because it was just so hilarious. So Jacob Wool is this 20-year-old dude. Um, he, he apparently got uh in trouble for securities fraud or something like that with and the funny part is that it doesn't have anything to do with the story that's just background information he's a 20 year old trump supporter obviously white dude and um so he came up with this great idea apparently or at least was a part of this great idea or, or i guess i have to say allegedly or whatever <laughs> but um so if you know who robert Mueller is or what the Russia investigation is, you know that Robert Mueller is a important deal. If if you are against Trump, 
you're probably on the side of Robert Mueller by default. So Robert Mueller is leading the Russia investigation into Trump to see if he colluded with Russia and all that sketchy shit. And he's supposed to be getting to the bottom of it. And he's just been chugging along for uh, almost a year and a half now, just going and going, unraveling the thread, unraveling the thread. And naturally Trump, since he's probably guilty, he constantly acts guilty and his followers are like, oh, there's nothing there, even though he acts guilty at every chance he gets. So um, when they say it's obviously fake and it's a hoax, you would think they would just let it play out, right? Wrong. So Jacob Wool apparently has this great idea. He's going to start this company called Surefire Intelligence. And they are going to pay off women to say that Robert Mueller sexually assaulted them. Because if, you know, the leader of the investigation is sexually assaulting women, I'm a get, this is what he's thinking, I'm guessing. That means that apparently the investigation is closed, no one can replace him, and then that's it. Trump's just going to get away with the scot-free. I'm guessing that's what he's thinking, because I don't know how this makes sense to him. So he uh, comes up with this great idea to pay off women to get Robert Mueller fired or whatever, right? Or embarrass him. And the problem with that is that he went about it in the most ham-fisted way possible. So on Twitter yesterday, early in the day, he's like, I've been talking to reporters and there's going to be a scoop about Robert Mueller tomorrow. You guys better be ready. You guys better be ready. So, um, you know, everybody thinks it's going to be bad news. And what the story actually breaks is there's a scandal that someone is trying to pay off women to say that Robert Mueller sexually assaulted them. And now the FBI has been asked to investigate these uh, issues. So it backfired on them immediately. They knew it was a scam. And when they look up this website, uh, Surefire Intelligence, it cuts to uh, the, the phone number registered for the website is linked to his mom's voicemail. I shit you not. I can't make this shit up. So his uh, secret intelligence uh, agency or whatever to crack the code and get Robert Mueller fired. He uh, had the phone number linked up to his mom and apparently the website was registered in his name. And when you look at the photo of the person, the uh, man, what is it? The, the lead manager, the managing founder or something like that. Basically who's running the whole show. It's this picture of a dude and it's like all grayed out kind of sort of like he's uh, unlock, like a, lock, a locked character in a video game. And so it's, if you can't see who it is, it's all grayed out. And apparently uh, when you look up the image, it's basically Jacob Wool just, you know, grayed out. It's like exact same photo, just different coloring. So you can't tell who it is. And when you look at the other people on the website, one of them, like uh, all these uh, intelligence experts or whatever, one of them was an Israeli supermodel. One of them was a famous photographer and a model. And uh, I forgot who the third one is, but long story short, it was all bullshit. And these are all pulled from like stock image photos and Google images, basically. And he made up fake names and shit like that for this uh, fake organization to catch Robert Mueller. Uh, he used to be the head of the FBI for many, many years. So, uh, only a dumbass right winger would think that would work. <laughs> and it was very fucking amusing. So he got his, he just got roasted up and down by conservatives and liberals, progressives and right wingers. Everybody just roasted this dude yesterday. And weirdly enough, I think he's still trying to pretend like he doesn't know 
why everybody's freaking out. He said that uh, the mainstream media is trying to smear him and they have absolutely no evidence despite everything I just explained to you. So uh, register in his mama's name, websites registered in his name, photo is him but grayed out, you know, no evidence. <laughs> These right-wingers are insane, but it's, sometimes it's hilarious. Uh, but over the weekend, obviously, that, that was not hilarious. Um, so kind of a sombering tr uh, transition, but yeah, the, I just wanted to start off with a couple of laughs. And then I'm going to get into the sad news and then I'll get into endorsements and then we'll wrap up politics. So, um, yeah, this is, I don't know how long this episode is going to be. Could be short, could be long. I don't know how long my, uh, my, uh, endorsement section is going to go, but, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll take it how we go. So, um, yeah, let's get into it. <music> As I mentioned earlier, I'm going to mostly do political endorsements, but I just wanted to uh, run through a couple of uh, stories that took place over last week that uh, were just uh, tragedies that so some have been touched on more than others, but it, just, it was a really hard week last week for people who have hearts. So um, first, uh, a man shot two black people at uh, Kroger's in Kentucky. Um, this is, uh, last week and, um, it was, uh, a man named Gregory Bush, 51 year old, uh, white dude naturally. And, uh, apparently he tried to go into a predominantly black church minutes before the shooting. So the fact that the doors were locked probably saved a lot of lives as well. So, uh, it's really unfortunate that two black people died from another hate crime, um, so I just want to, uh, give, put my condolences out there. And, um, after that, the bomber who sent, uh, I think 13 bombs in total bombs, uh, was caught. And as most people predicted, it was a right wing white dude. Um, if you want to be a nitpicker, he was half Filipino, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, I think most people would argue that it was the half uh, white man right winger that did the shooting. I mean, did the uh, bombing and shit more so than the Filipino half. But that's just me speculating. Not important. But uh, uh, Cesar Sayoc, 56-year-old dude, sent 13 bombs out. Some to uh, the Obamas, the Clintons, Eric Holder. Uh, Kamala Harris, um, Cory Booker, if I remember correctly, um, he also sent, uh, I said Eric Holder already, he sent some to Maxine Waters, I think he sent two to her, because Trump talks about her so fucking much, and he sent bombs to a couple of other people I'm forgetting, uh, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, um, he, yeah, it was 13 in total, so he, he got around. Um, piece of shit. I'm glad he's caught. Apparently his initial charges were surprisingly light. Like some people on Twitter were saying that like when they protested, uh, Trump's inauguration, they were facing more years than he was. But, uh, I think it's probably those years might get extended. I'm assuming he's going to get life just for threatening presidents off top. But, um, in Trump's America, I wouldn't be surprised if he got pardoned. So I don't know. 
Um, but uh, nevertheless, I'm glad he's caught. I'm glad no one was hurt. And I'm glad he was really bad at making bombs because it could have been so much worse. And uh, next, uh, the next uh, fucking horrible hate crime that happened uh, was Robert Bowers, 46-year-old white man, who uh, took an AR-15 into a bris at a synagogue and killed uh, 11 uh, mostly elderly Jewish people. And um, yet another piece of shit. Um, and this is, seems to be happening all the fucking time now because the right wing has lost what little mind that they had before Trump. Um, it was already hanging on by a thread for a while, but that shit just seems to be gone at a faster rate every fucking day. And it's just so fucking draining and so tiring and so exhausting and so frustrating that we have to deal with this shit all the fucking time now. It's just our new reality. Hopefully things will start to go back on the upswing after November 6th, but um, nothing is given in this climate. Everything has to be worked for and earned. So hopefully we can all get out the vote and try to put some kind of check on this. There's kind of a lot of people on Twitter who are kind of trying to say like, you know, this uh, bomber really, I mean, this uh, shooter is really terrible. So we got to get out the vote and end racism. And they weren't saying it directly like that, but they were implying that like, if, if we just elect Democrats, nothing like this will happen when that is like, case like it's been proven time and time again that shit like this is going to happen regardless but the most we can do is try to curb it instead of encourage it um so again i uh, vic my uh, my heart goes out to all the uh victims and it's i i this is why we uh this isn't really the topic at hand because i would argue it's more of a hate crime thing than a gun control thing but it is still very much so a gun control thing and personally, I don't think anyone needs an AR-15. Even the arguments I've had uh, from my uh, gun-owning friends about why they are uh, useful, I think are just so impractical that the vast, vast, vast majority of gun owners don't need one. So that's just my two cents. I don't really see any mass roundups of guns happening anytime soon, but I'm definitely down with a buyback program a buyback program and heavy uh, charges for you for using them so if you want to own an ar-15 just to show show off to your friends and uh and like you know like whatever i don't know shoot fucking targets or whatever okay but if you're actually caught using them regardless of its self-defense or not i feel like that should be a heavy charge because those guns should be outlawed for civilians um i mean we're not living in call of duty despite how much people play that game we don't need these fucking Call of Duty weapons to walk down the street. Unless you're a right winger and you're trying to kill people, that seems to be the one time they need them. So, preferably, they would not have them. Um, nevertheless, I just wanted to address those three main stories before I got into it. So, um, endorsements. Um, first, I'm going to start off with some governors. Naturally, uh, I kind of gave the game away early, but Andrew Gillum, of course, Andrew Gillum in Florida, of course, is getting my endorsement over Ron DeSantis. Uh, I mean, like, like he, like I was, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I was still, I was moderately surprised that he started out the gate with the monkey it up comment. Like he damn near won the primary and then screamed monkey damn near. Like, I think it was like the very next day or like two days later after he won the primary. So it's like, 
I was shocked at how fast he went with the monkey it up shit. So I definitely don't want him running Florida. And while I don't think it will be as bad as in Georgia, I am 100% certain that if Ron DeSantis wins, it's going to be a 100 times harder for Florida to go blue in 2020. So that, that said, um, Andrew Gillum, uh, he, he's not quite uh, on the Justice Democrat level, um, but he is a great candidate. And he's definitely better than the alternative. And I'm not going to say any dumb shit like vote third party or whatever. If you're living in Florida, I cannot fuck with you if you don't vote for Gillum. I just can't do it. I'm sorry. Um, and my next endorsement for governor, Stacey Abrams in, in, uh, in Georgia. She's going against Brian Kemp. And this, uh, not, these endorsements are not in order, by the way, by importance or anything. They're just how I listed them. So, um, Stacey Abrams, this race of all the races in the country is by far the one I'm most anxious about. And that's saying something. I would say the race I'm second most anxious about is probably Better O'Rourke's. Um, but Stacey Abrams' race is easily the most stressful because I just don't see any reality where things get better for voters in, in, in Georgia if Brian Kemp wins. There's just no conceivable reality where that happens. He is so anti-voting rights and so so just blatant with his voter suppression and gleeful in his voter suppression on top of the fucking racist way he won his primary with the whole roundup illegals on a bus shit like 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 people just smooth forgot about that shit but hopefully georgia makes the right decision i saw an encouraging poll that stacy abrams was up by a point and that is like incredible considering how much voter suppression uh, Brian Kemp is trying to do to make sure he wins this race. And I keep seeing people uh, say it on Twitter and in a majority report, but like it's just so blatantly obvious that Stacey Abrams is going to win this seat or it's going to be stolen from her. There are no middle ground on that. Like it's not like Brian Kemp's going to earn a win. That's just not going to fucking happen. He is definitely trying to suppress as many fucking votes as possible. And he wants to make sure that Stacey Abrams does not win the seat. Does not uh, become governor, despite how amazing it would be for people of color in the state and uh, marginalized people in general in the state. Uh, and she is in favor of Medicare for all, as well as Andrew Gillum. Uh, they would both be the first uh, black governors of their state. Stacey Abrams would be the first black woman governor in the country. 2018. Um, which is just, you know, sad. So hopefully uh, she pulls it out, makes history. I'm pulling for, I, I, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I've donated to her. Um, that was one of the donations where I'm not sure if it went through or not because I did it on my phone, but I believe it went through. So uh, Stacey Abrams, I really, 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 really hope she wins. And she has my emphatic endorsement. And my next endorsement for governor goes to Ben Jealous from Maryland. Um, I've heard uh, some worrying things about the polls, but I'm hoping they're wrong, like in 2016. And um, hopefully he pulls it out and wins his race. He is also a great candidate. He's a Justice Democrat. And um, I'm going to get into the Justice Democrats in a minute. But uh, if you don't know shit about the Justice Democrats, 
Um, they're like pretty much the one thing keeping me hopeful in politics this this whole year. And the reason why is because excluding the fact that they don't take corporate PAC money at all and they work just for their voters instead of like, you know, corporate interests and whatnot, they are in favor of Medicare for all, uh, jobs guarantee for and higher uh, wages, tuition free public college, criminal justice reform, a Green New Deal, and fighting inequality in all forms. This is on their website. So this is all of the Justice Democrats. So when I say Justice Democrat, just remember all of that. So Ben Jealous, uh, first uh, black governor potentially in Maryland, and he's going up against a popular Republican. I forgot his name. I really hope he loses. Um, so I, I want Ben Jealous to win so bad. And uh, so he gets my endorsement naturally. And uh, my last endorsement for governor is Christine Hallquist in Vermont. She would be the first uh, transgender woman to be governor in the country, if I recall. I know in the state for sure. I believe in the country as well. I can't remember. Um, so, yeah, that's also another. Uh, all four of my governor picks are all historic if they all win. So uh, she's definitely got my endorsement. She's a Justice Democrat. So she's already on the right side of the issues off top. And uh, that closes out my governor endorsement. So next, let's move on to the House. Naturally, this is going to surprise absolutely no one, but my first endorsement is going to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC for short. Uh, she's uh, basically the queen of the Democratic Socialists at the moment. Um, she is uh, running for representative and uh, I mean, uh, uh, being a uh, well, representative congresswoman uh, in the uh, New York 14th district. And she uh, beat her. She won her primary against Joe Crowley. I just saw a thing on Twitter today saying that he's still trying to uh, run against her in the uh, in the general, despite him losing his primary. And he tried. He came out and disavowed it. But I don't trust him for shit. So uh, vote like your life depends on it. You know, I would very much prefer AOC over Joe Crowley. And he and she, and I'm just desperate for her to get in office at this point because she is just going to shake shit up so quickly and have all of these Republicans and all of these stupid pundits on their on their back foot instead of the front foot for once. Democrats constantly just play defense or get slapped in the face, especially our leadership like Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, Dianne Feinstein, etc. Like. These people love losing to Republicans. And I would love to get a Democrat who actually wants to win in, in power. So AOC obviously gets my endorsement. She's a justice Democrat. She was the, pretty much the sledgehammer this uh, cycle. So uh, she, she pretty much woke everyone up a little bit. And the second sledgehammer, in my opinion, was probably Ayanna Presley. So that's my next endorsement. Yet another Justice Democrat. Most of my House picks are Justice Democrats. Fair warning. Um, so Ayanna Presley, she is in the 7th District of Massachusetts. She would be the first black woman to ever represent that district. And um, she is yet another Justice Democrat on the right side of the issues. And um, gets my endorsement. Uh, she's uh, not really in a contested seat. If I'm not mistaken, I don't think she has an opponent. So, um, she should be a surefire win, but regardless, she gets my endorsement. 
Rashida Tlaib uh, and is also getting my endorsement, another Justice Democrat, and she is representing the 13th District of Michigan. She uh, would be the first, I want to say, first Muslim woman to represent that district, but I could be mistaken. I'm forgetting. I don't have all my notes in front of me. But um, she gets my uh, endorsement. I also believe she's in a safe, uh, safe Democrat district. So her win should be a given as well. But don't take anything for granted. You still got to get out and vote. These people aren't just going to be wished into office. They got to be voted into office. So um, that said, I still think she has a stronger chance than most to win her seat. My next endorsement, Ilhan Omar. If I'm not mistaken, she would be the first Somalian woman to be uh, a congressperson. And uh, she is also Muslim, if I remember correctly. And she is representing uh, the 5th District of Minnesota. So, um, wait, is, I forgot the abbreviation. MN? MN is Minnesota, right? Anyway, I forget. I should probably double check that. But, you know, it's called the Don't Quote Me podcast. Anyway, Ilhan Omar, another Justice Democrat, uh, 5th District in what I'm assuming is Minnesota. And uh, she, I believe, is also in a safe district, but you still got to vote regardless. Um, she gets my endorsement wholeheartedly. Um, also, another Justice Democrat. But this one, these two are, I'm going to go do a twofer. Ro Khanna and, um, and uh, Jamila uh, Jayapal. Uh, Pramila uh, Jayapal. So, uh, Ro Khanna, uh, California 17th District, and Pramila Jayapal in the Washington 7th District. These two are already in Congress, so they're the incumbents in their race. And naturally, the incumbent is generally the favorite in almost every race. So, y- you would assume they're going to win their primary. And they're Justice Democrats, and they've already been in office doing good things. Ro Khanna works with Bernie Sanders usually pretty regularly. And Pramila Jayapal, if I'm not mistaken, she made her own Medicare for All pack. So instead of having corporate money buy out politicians, we're going to buy out politicians for the right reasons. Giving people health care and taking people out of poverty, or at least helping people get out of poverty. So, um... Yeah, those two definitely get my endorsement. They're already in Congress. They're one of the few people in Congress who I don't want replaced off top. So uh, yeah, keep up the good work. I want to keep them. In, I want to keep them in office and uh, keep them doing good, doing good things. My next endorsement goes to Amar Kampanajar, another Justice Democrat in the California 50th District, and he is going against Duncan Hunter. And this is one of uh, it, it's not as like dire as the Stacey Abrams race, but it's one of the most frustrating races of all of my endorsements because it's so frustrating to me because Duncan Hunter has been charged with numerous, uh, indictments, if I'm not mistaken for like, uh, what was it? Um, want to say it was some kind of fraud or something. Or can't I think it was campaign finance violations or something? Basically, he was spending all of this uh, campaign money on just like random shit, like like shorts and and flights and shit like that, just stupid shit. And then try to throw his wife under the bus. Just a shitty dude. And after all of that happened, he was still up in the polls. And because this district is pretty Republican, 
But, um, you know, with Democrats polling pretty well in most cases on the general ballot, on uh, the general down ticket, you know, most people prefer Democrats by, I think, a nine point swing nationwide on average. So, uh, he, uh, Jar has a chance to win. Um, uh, Duncan Hunter is the incumbent and he is sketchy as fuck and somehow still has a solid chance of winning. And he has been running blatantly racist, uh, ads against, uh, Kampanajar saying that his, uh, he, he's like, what is he like? He's pro-terrorist because his grandfather was a terrorist or something like that. Even though his grandfather died like several years before he was even born. So it's just, he's just doing some blatantly racist shit. And it's just fucking disgusting. And I really hope Duncan Hunter loses. I hope he gets beat with a stick. But it'll probably be close on a good night. So um, yeah, Kampanajar, I really, really want him to win. And uh, not for nothing, uh, I... I gotta be honest with you. I think he's a hot kind of congressman. So um, yeah, he can he can uh make Congress people look a little less ugly. You know, that's kind of uh, you know, it's petty, but you know, the people who work in Congress are like old as shit, like like 60, 50, 70, 80. like they they do not look good. Short version. So um, yeah, you know, um, uh, Amar Kampanajar, he can bring some sexy to Congress. You know. So vote for him. And um, James Thompson is also a, another Justice Democrat is going to get my uh, endorsement. He is in the Kansas 4th District. Um, this is a kind of tight race, if I remember correctly. And he, uh, Justice Democrat, so again, on the right side of the issues. And um, another endorsement I want to give is Jamie Schoolcraft in Missouri, uh, the 7th District. And I mainly, he's a Justice Democrat, so he, again, right side of the issues. But I mainly put him on this list because while I don't know much about him specifically, I do know he is in Missouri and we can use all the progressives in red states as possible. Because if we get one progressive doing the right thing, I feel like it could spread. And that could be what saves the country in the end, possibly. So, um, I know that's a lot to put on one seat, but still, uh, a progressive in Missouri says a lot and maybe it'll tell democratic leadership to stop losing on purpose, but we'll see. And, uh, my next endorsement goes to Kara Eastman. Um, she is, uh, in the Nebraska second district. And again, just like Jamie school, these are justice Democrats in red districts and, um, they have chances to win. So I, I, Kara Eastman is in a really close race last I checked. I think she, if I'm not mistaken, I think she was up a point or something. And, um, she was either up or down a point, but it was super close. And, um, yeah, naturally she gets my endorsement and my next endorsement is for Adrian Bell. And, uh, I, uh, I forgot what I said, but a couple of months ago, I said something to her on Twitter and she replied and I was like, all oh, like, you know, like starstruck or whatever. So, um, if I remember correctly, she's a teacher and, uh, she's a sweet, uh, black lady. She kind of gives me like, uh, grandma vibes, like reminds me of my grandma. So, uh, she's, uh, in the, uh, Texas 14th district. So, um, I'm hoping, uh, better works national profile overall just helps out all Democrats and, um, and just random races down ballot. So I'm hoping that uh, Adrian Bell could kind of catch uh, 
a better O'Rourke's backdraft a little bit and she can win her race. And uh, as I said earlier, more progressives, less corrupt candidates and more red states is what I think is going to be key to us taking this bitch over again. So um, my next endorsement goes to Sarah Smith. She is in the ninth district of Washington and uh, I follow her on Twitter. Uh, she has one of my favorite Twitters of all the people I've listed on here. Um, almost every tweet she says is like on point as fuck. She's one of those woke white allies. So I really like her. Um, so yeah, she's another justice Democrat. Just like everyone I mentioned above. And, um, yeah, she gets my endorsement and she's going up against uh, another Democrat. If I remember correctly, I want to say, it's Adam Smith, if I remember correctly, but she's way better than them. So vote for her. Uh, she's uh, naturally, since he's an incumbent, her race is going to be pretty tough, but I'm hoping she can uh, pull out the upset. And uh, my last Justice Democrat endorsement goes to Randy Bryce, a.k.a. Ironstash, a.k.a. the man who made Paul Ryan retire. So he is representing the Wisconsin 1st District. And last I checked, he was a little bit behind in the polls. That made me nervous. But hopefully uh, all of these new Democrats coming into the uh, coming into the uh, voting process who have uh, historically not may end up pushing him over the top. I really hope he does because he, he I, I feel like of all the people who become Congress people, I feel like it would send a really strong message to have an iron worker and a union member become a congressperson in a red state. Like, that would be so amazing. So I'm hoping he pulls it off. Uh, as I mentioned, Justice Democrats, so again, on the right side of the issues. And uh, he uh, said recently on Rebel Headquarters on uh, the Young Turks that he is looking forward to getting an F rating from the NRA. So he he's... Uh, He's uh he's not afraid of nobody, and I think he's a badass. Yeah, he originally uh when he called out Paul Ryan, that's what got him a national profile, and I think that's why he won his primary because he's just I mean like how do you like say no to Iron Stash? So um yeah, uh he again he's also a uh, good on Twitter as well. So um yeah he he gets my endorsement, and uh, my next endorsement uh, I think I mentioned him a couple times before, Richard Ojeda. So this guy, uh, man, he, 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 he ain't taking no prisoners, man. So Richard Ojeda is in the West Virginia third district and he is running up against Carol Miller and Carol Miller is one of the worst Republicans, uh, in all of these lists I've, in these house races I've listed, uh, I got on the opponent's side because she has been, uh, putting money uh, she's been taking money from like Big Pharma, pumping pills into her own community, trying to uh, take away, uh, what was it, the um, pre-existing conditions coverage, if I'm not mistaken. And she's getting paid by all of these people. She's she's just as corrupt as the average Republican. But unlike the average Republican, she's in a really, 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 really pro-Trump area. Yet Richard Ojeda is so awesome that the race is still competitive. I believe that uh, Trump won that district by like oh like forty five points or something like that, and I think Richard Ojeda is within like one point of uh, of Carol Miller. So win or lose, I feel like he should be teaching Democrats how to run nationwide because he closed such an insane gap, and no one is fucking talking about him. 
Like, everybody just ignore. Like, I honestly feel like if he wins his race, he's going to be the next AOC just because, just in the factor of how shocked the mainstream media is going to be. Because I have mentioned it a couple times before, a couple other progressives I follow and watch on uh, YouTube or whatever have mentioned him uh, a couple times before, but I have not really seen any mainstream media outlet say his name one time. So, Richard Ojeda, it, it, you have to look up his ads on uh, Facebook or Twitter, because they're just such heavy-hitting ads, and they're awesome. They're the best political ads of the, of the, of the cycle that I've seen by far. So um, that's easily why he's closing his gap. Plus, he practices what he preaches. And um, he's also big enough because he he uh, he voted for Trump, which obviously, you know, got issues with that. But unlike most people who voted for Trump, he realized that was a huge fucking mistake almost right away. So he didn't like try to like, oh, well, at least we're getting Gorsuch. You know, he's like, no, this dude's fucking horrible and we need to fight against him. And that's what he's doing, and I respect that. So he's running as an unapologetic Democrat, and I really fucking hope he wins. And um, my last endorsement goes to J.D. Shulton in the Iowa 4th District. And I'm going to be honest, I know literally nothing about this dude except one thing that makes all the difference. He's running against Steve King, who is as close to white supremacy as you'll get in the, uh, in the House. So I really, really, really fucking hope Steve King gets his ass, his ass handed to him and just gets completely washed. And I hope J.D. Shulton wins. Uh, even GO, the GOP is kind of distancing himself from Steve King, which is kind of weak sauce to do this late because I don't really think it's going to have an effect. And even if he does win, they're going to welcome him back with open arms because that's what they did with Trump. So this kind of means nothing to me, but it's also noteworthy that he's losing a couple of uh, sponsors or uh, contributors rather. So hopefully this all adds up to him losing by one or two points and uh, J.D. Shulton gets elected. So on to the Senate. So naturally, Bernie Sanders, I want to win Vermont. Duh. He's probably going to win. I think he's like 99% chance of winning or something like that. Same with Elizabeth Warren. Massachusetts uh you know obviously I just have to say those just to say those I don't think they're in doubt at all um so yeah I want them to get reelected, obviously and um Kristen Cinema. so I just am really annoyed with Martha McSally and this is Arizona like one of the like in my opinion one of the craziest Republican states in the country so Kristen Cinema being a Democrat and winning this Senate seat would be fucking huge in Arizona and not for nothing Martha McSally got more votes than uh, I forgot her name the crazy lady who was running and Joe Arpaio so they split the crazy vote and Martha McSally just swooped through and with the kind of caliber of Republicans they're running in that state please do not vote for her <laughs> like holy shit She's full of shit like every other Republican, pretends she doesn't want to take away pre-existing conditions, and then admits to it on uh, Hannity's radio show, and then uh, she's just a piece of shit. Just don't vote for her. And uh, Kristen Cinema, I don't really have strong feelings for, but just like in the case of Stephen King and uh, J.D. Shulton, I'm just voting against Martha McSally more so than for Kristen Cinema. So uh, definitely vote for Cinema. Um, but yeah. And uh, my next endorsement, the most obvious one, the most obvious, obvious one, 
federal work in Texas. And I don't even feel like I have to explain why I'm endorsing him. I mean, like, I'm just going to say Ted Cruz sucks and save time because this listing all the reasons why Better World Work is awesome is just redundant at this point. Vote for Better World Work if you live in Texas or if you make want to make bad decisions, then I guess Ted Cruz is the, the must do. So if you like making good decisions and doing things that are better for the planet, vote for Better World Work. If you hate everyone, including yourself, vote for Ted Cruz. So, um, yeah. Uh, my last endorsement is a little closer to home. Uh, I'm endorsing Kevin DeLeon over Dianne Feinstein. Do I think he's going to win? Absolutely fucking not. It's pretty much just a protest vote. And uh, he's probably going to get like 30% of the vote, maybe. Maybe 40% of the vote, if he's lucky. But he's going to get washed. It's going to be bad. I don't like Dianne Feinstein, but I know she's going to win. But I don't want to vote for her. And um, so, yeah, those are my Senate endorsements. And um, take this real local. If you're living in San Francisco, like I am, vote yes on C. Because fuck rich people. Yes on C. They can take a half of a percent hit to their fucking multi-million dollar corporations to help out the overwhelmingly annoying homeless crisis that no one does anything about in this city. It's such a no-brainer, but naturally, our wannabe Republican progressive, quote-unquote, London Breed mayor, she uh, is against it, weirdly enough, in San Francisco. The mayor is against helping the homeless. Who would have thought? And Jack Dorsey, everyone's least favorite Twitter person, uh, a.k.a. the CEO of Twitter, is also against it. So fuck both of those people. Pretty much everyone, every other group is for Prop C. So I don't know what the fuck they're doing. But um, yeah, anyway, those are my endorsements. Let's keep it pushing. Let's move on to television. So um, in, in honor of Halloween, I decided to give this episode a spooky title. And I picked the the scariest title I can think of, which is Terrorist and Low Voter Turnout. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to uh, get that out of the way. Anyway, I have uh, caught up again in uh, Apocalypse, American Horror Story. Um, There are more flashbacks from uh, last week's episode, which is starting to get frustrating again. I think we're almost at the like main confrontation with the big bad. I won't ruin anything, but um, I'm I'm really over these flashbacks. I think there's like one more, hopefully, and then we're done. But I'm ready to just go back to where we were like on episode four and just continue the fucking storyline. Like, all right, I got enough background information. Like, let's let's move the story along now. But you know, they they're checking along at their own pace, I guess. So, whatever. Um, also, I saw uh, the episode of Sunny, uh, Super Bowl episode. Charlie left alone at a bar. He's completely fucked himself over. It's so amazing. And part two is tonight, uh, and it's with the rest of the gang since Charlie locked himself in a bar. Um, he kind of missed the whole Super Bowl thing. But uh, y- yeah, it, it, it was a really funny episode. And I, I could tell from almost the beginning that it was just going to backfire horrendously. And it did. And it was awesome. And uh, I finished watching all of the Treehouse of Horrors. Um, this is, I think it's going to be my new tradition every Halloween, just to go back and rewatch them. 
because they're just so classic. Uh, and I hadn't watched them in a while, so most of them were fresh. And uh, also, I saw this week's Doctor or last week's Doctor Who. I loved it. Um, it may be my fir- my favorite episode of the season so far. Um, I'm gonna try to watch that with my girl later. It was about giant spiders killing people. Um, so yeah, if you have a spider phobia, it's the perfect episode to watch. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I was a strong fan of last week's episode and I'm hoping this week continues to trend. And I, I like how this season, I don't know what it is, but it feels like a completely new show. It's like a reboot without being a reboot. Like it's just season 11, but it feels like it's like season one of another show, which is really refreshing. I don't know how they did it, but they did it. And, um, anyway, without further ado, let's talk about some news a little bit. So, uh, apparently Apu is leaving the Simpsons. So, uh, the backlash worked. Um, this is from, uh, IndieWire. In April, producer Addy Shankar launched a spec script contest for the Simpsons to solve what has been known as the show's Apu problem. The the long-running character, a convenience store owner voiced by Hank Azaria, has been a controversial figure because many believe him to be an inaccurate and hurtful portrayal of Indian Americans. It was Shankar's intention to crowdsource a script that, in quote, in a clever way, subverts him, pivots him, writes him out, or evolves him in a way that takes a creation that was the byproduct of a predominantly Harvard-educated white male's white a white male writers' room, and tra- writers' room, and transforms them into and transforms them into a fresh, funny, and realistic portrayal of Indians in America. Shankar's primary hope was that Fox would produce the script as an episode of The Simpsons, but now that he has found what he calls the perfect script and announced the winner of the contest, he told IndieWire that he has heard from people who work for the show that The Simpsons are eliminating the character. And, uh, quote, I've got some disheartening news back that I've verified from multiple sources now. They are going to drop the Apu character altogether, said Shankar in an interview with IndieWire. They aren't going to make a big deal out of it or anything like that, but they'll drop them all together just to avoid the controversy. So I'm a little mixed on this issue because, you know, obviously you can't pretend like they're not some blatant racist things about Apu. Like I'm not even going to make that argument. But what I am going to make the argument of is I feel like it's just established. I don't know. It's not a good reason. I understand like I won't I won't die on this hill I'm very open to persuasion but just my gut reaction is just I feel like the show's been on for 30 years can't you just not watch it at this point like I don't really know how many people who are still watching the Simpsons for 29 seasons are like you know what now this is racist like it's it to me, my gut reaction is it feels like people who don't watch The Simpsons but know people still watch The Simpsons are upset about it. That's what it comes off as to me. And um, I just don't see a large percentage of The Simpsons fan base really being in their feelings about this. But I will 100% agree there are obvious racist things about Apu. But um, yeah, this. I, I feel like it's like like uh like South Park and the um shitty walk dude like yeah obvious racist things about it but I mean when you've been doing it for like 20 years can't you just like 
not watch the show at that point? I don't know. I don't, I don't I just, I feel like people would rather change the art than change, like, just not participate in the art. Like, for example, if there is a band that just sings songs saying the N-word 25,000 times, do I really care if they're a band or not? Not really. I just want to listen to their music. Like, I, I just don't understand why that approach is so rare now to where if you don't like something, don't participate in it. Because, you know, it's like like uh, when right-wingers are like, you know, we hate gay marriage, and it's like, don't get gay married. It's the same thing. It's like, you hate abortion, don't get an abortion. It's like, why is everybody concerned about everybody other, everybody else's shit? But obviously, we're in a different era. You know, we're, we're in the PC era. And uh, shit like this is not going to fly for too much longer. So apparently, The Simpsons, they're just like, fuck it. We're not even going to try to convince you people of a change or anything. We're just going to scrap them all together and move the fuck on. Which I kind of admire because I feel like any kind of change to the character would have just made people upset more. So they're probably smarter to just like get rid of them. So I hope this works out for them. Uh, I don't really watch The Simpsons like I used to. Uh, the Treehouse of Horrors are pretty much the only exception at this point. And uh, so we'll see what happens. That's probably going to be next season, I'm guessing. Or the end of this season or something. But anyway, next story. Uh, BoJack Season 6 is confirmed. Um, I uh, love Season 5. I didn't realize how much everyone loves Season 5. So, this is from The Hollywood Reporter. To little surprise, the streaming giant has renewed its critically adored adult animated comedy for a sixth season. The news comes after the fifth season returns September 14th to glowing reviews. Season 5 currently has a 100% fresh rating on RottenTomatoes.com, with the series as a whole averaging an impressive 92% among critics, critics and 94% among viewers. So I love this show. My best friend put me onto it, I want to say a year ago. And so I'm kind of new to it, but I didn't understand how much everyone loved this show. Like, God damn, those are really high ratings. Like, like, cause I feel like a lot of the shit that I like on Rotten Tomatoes always has a low score, but to see like a hundred percent on one season, is crazy to me. So, uh, uh season five was dope. Uh, I'm still thinking about the eulogy episode. I just watched a clip from it again this morning. Um, so they definitely did a great job on the last season and they ended on such a great note and I want to know what happened. So this renewal is kind of like a matter of time. And uh, my last little bit of news, uh, Dave Chappelle and Jon Stewart apparently had an interview with CNN and uh, I feel like I didn't watch the whole interview and I don't know when it's coming out, but I watched a 10 minute clip on YouTube and, uh, you know, comedians always have the way of putting shit in perspective because like the media is just like, apparently refuses to put shit in perspective. They just want to repeat lies and shit and say like, well, he said a lie. So why I have to tell you what he said rather than, you know, say it was a lie. Like, if Donald Trump says the sky is blue tomorrow, I mean, like, if Donald Trump says, like, the sky is red tomorrow, everybody is just going to be all like, Donald Trump says the sky is red. Rather than saying, like, this nigga thinks the sky is red, this nigga tripping, it's obviously blue, I don't know what he's smoking. Like, the, the news is never critical of his of his claims. They just, like, 
parrot them. And I'm like, well, this is what he says. Like, what the fuck are y'all doing? And uh, especially the New York Times, they're really bad at that. Um, so, y- yeah, uh, they uh, had a little interview. And in that interview, uh, Dave, he said something that was pretty funny. That was my favorite part. Um, basically, he said that everybody was like, putting too much uh on trump's uh dominance of the era or whatever and uh dave Chappelle puts it as he's not making the wave he's surfing it so it's not like he didn't create all this bullshit that we're living but he's definitely taking advantage of it and making it his own so um and he's saying all he does is sing those people's greatest hits like build the wall all of these things we've heard before he just sings all the songs he's the only one to be brash enough to do it which is true. Like, he, he goes full on with that racist shit. And Republicans kind of just hinted at the racist shit. So he's like, nah, we, why we gotta hide the shit? Racism's dope. So th- that's his brand. He, his closing message for the midterms is pretty much even more racism. Saying that the, uh, the, the asylum seekers approaching the U.S. are like thugs and criminals and, and shit like that. So he, he's a piece of shit, naturally. But um, anyway, the, the funny part from this uh, Dave interview, uh, John Stewart and Dave interview, was, uh, this is from, um, I'm pulling the article from The Hollywood Reporter, but basically, he was like, even when they say that Russia influenced the election, it's kind of like, is Russia making us racist? Is that who's doing it? Oh, okay, oh my god, thank goodness. I thought it was us. <laughs> it's like, if they killed the country, if they killed the country that way, then we're the murder weapon. Which is profound, obviously. He usually says profound shit. But naturally, the uh, interviewer he was talking to, uh, Christiane uh, Am- Amonpour, Amonpour. So uh, he, he just blew her mind. So um, yeah, shout out to Dave. You know, and he's like saying that like uh, when he went on CNN, I'm not CNN, when he went on uh, SNL and said that uh, we should give Trump a chance and he should give us a chance. He said, uh, he said the right thing at the right time. Obviously... It didn't pan out the way he wanted it to. That's like, you know, obvious to most of us with working brains. So uh, he says uh, he still said the right thing at the right time because it was either that or protest or storm the street. So uh, it, it's like, that's, that's fair. Kind of want to like, he, he did more of a job bringing the country together in that moment than the president did. I didn't even really think about that until just now. But uh, so I'm hoping there's more of this interview. So I really want to watch it, but we'll, uh, I'm guessing the 10 minutes is just going to have to hold me for now. But, uh, enough of that. Let's move on to video games. So I finally finished Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Um, I think I was finished at the 60-ish hour hour mark. And uh, when I say done, I have to put an asterisk on that because there was no end credits. It just kind of like, like, all right, you know, you're good. And it's just like, wait, what? You know, it, was, it didn't really feel like I beat the game, but it just ended. That's what happened. Like, I didn't finish the game. It just ended. That's what... I guess the main storyline was. So I didn't get all the cultists. That That's kind of like my main incentive to go back to the game after I finish Red Dead. So um, I'm not sure when I'm going to have the time. But 
I want to go back to Assassin's Creed, so that's a good thing. Um, uh, I won't ruin the story, but I definitely feel like I left some unfinished business. And I'm, what, I think level 40? So I think I'm like uh, like 10 levels away from even being able to get all of the cultists. So, um, you know, I got to put a pin in that for now. I've moved on to Red Dead and... Um, I think I am maybe 15 hours into Red Dead. Maybe. That sounds about right. Maybe less, maybe more. I'm not sure. Haven't been timing it as much as I usually do. Um, but the, the one thing that surprised me the most about Red Dead Redemption 2 is that as, as good as GTA GTA 5 is, as good as the original Red Dead was, as good as Rockstar games are in general, I was surprised at how old this game feels physically when you're playing it. Like the, the control scheme and the specifically running and movement in general feels very old compared to, specifically I guess the most recent game I compare it to is Assassin's Creed Odyssey. And it's, for example, um, to run fast or to ride your horse fast, you have to double tap X. Whereas to sprint in Odyssey is just automatic. So if you run in a direction long enough, you'll start sprinting. So just that alone just feels drastically different than I was expecting. I don't know why, because that was in GTA 5. It's not a new thing. But it just feels like they were in a bunker when they made this game because it did it something about it. It just handles like an older game from maybe like two or three years ago. Not like from the 90s or anything, just like old for this generation, um, like an older mindset of thinking for games, I guess. So it, that said, obviously, graphics are great. Story is great. It's very engaging. The characters are gripping. Um I like the customization features and whatnot. It's it's very immersive, definitely. I'm start. I'm surprisingly a big fan of hunting in that game. Um, I'm I'm trying to remember the last game I played where I really enjoyed hunting a lot. But hunting in this game is so dope. It's way better than hunting in Assassin's Creed. Hunting in Assassin's Creed Odyssey is very, very uh forgettable. But hunting in Red Dead, I honestly feel like could be the whole game, and I would be fine with it. Like, I, I, part of me, when I'm, like, doing missions or whatever, like, I just get the urge to just, like, want to just hunt for hella long. Like, if I just happen to see a rabbit or something running, I'm like, all right, well, it's got to die now. <laughs> so, and uh, I have the added benefit of knowing that none of the things I get are going to waste because I'm feeding the camp where I can sell shit. So, it, it's, you know, it, it's very uh, rewarding to hunt in Red Dead Redemption 2. Uh, so, so weirdly enough, for a video game, my only complaints are about the actual game part, but the video part is dope. <laughs> so, uh, Red Dead 2, solid game. Definitely not my game of the year, but very good game. Um, I, I'm thinking as of now, my game of the year might still be Monster Hunter. But I'm not, I might have to think on it a little bit more, but I think it's still Monster Hunter. Um, anyway, I completely forgot until last night that I am apparently a part of the Fallout 76 beta. 
because I pre-ordered the game. I had to like jump through a couple of hoops last night to get a new beta code. Had issues with Amazon, but I downloaded it last night. I was all hyped to play it today. I was off work. I got the new beta. I'm just like feeling myself. I ain't got a doctor's appointment for hell hours. And I go to play that shit. Beta is not today. It was only yesterday and tomorrow and Saturday. So I was just super frustrated. I know I'm only going to be able to play for like a couple of hours tomorrow at most. So that sucks. Um, Saturday, I'm mostly going to be busy. So I'm not going to be able to play it that much. I'm going to be uh, doing D&D and shit. So hopefully I can play a little bit on Saturday. But I don't expect to play a lot. And um, so well, I'll keep you posted. I was all excited to have notes for this episode. But. Apparently, I gotta wait till tomorrow and then hit you guys up next week. Um, but yeah, uh, I um, don't. I haven't really been paying attention to what people have been saying about it. I've been trying to keep myself in the dark. I assume it's Fallout, so I'm gonna like it by default. But we will see tomorrow, and hopefully, it lives up to my uh, my my hype. Uh, I can't imagine it disappointing it disappointing me to the point where I canceled my pre order. But I was thinking about that last night, how petty would that be? Like, I pre-ordered the game just to get into the beta, just to hate the beta, and then cancel my pre-order. <laughs> like, but um, I really doubt that will happen, but we will see. Um, I'm excited to get off work tomorrow. That's like, pretty much all I'm thinking about now, just because I got myself hyped up to play it today and then couldn't. So we'll, we'll see. we will see. And uh, anyway, let's move on to the news. So... Red Dead 2 apparently broke some financial records and apparently had the largest opening weekend for any entertainment product in history, managing to sell $725 million in copies just over three days, according to IGN. It's actually the second highest grossing entertainment launch, although Rockstar won't be too unhappy with that, given that the record holder is Grand Theft Auto V. The discrepancy between the biggest opening weekend and biggest overall launch comes down to the fact that last GTA was released on a Tuesday. Um, so, Re- uh, Rockstar, yet again, making fuck ton of money. They're like the closest thing that a, a, a game developer gets to being like the Nintendo, it prints money. Like, if Rockstar makes a game, it pretty much just prints money. So, uh... Anyway, further into the article, Rockstar did not share the exact unit sales for Red Dead Redemption 2, but the sell-through number suggests it's more than 10 million. Uh, These numbers represent the total of sales to customers rather than the sales from publisher to retailer. Additionally, Red Dead Redemption 2 had the largest launch sales of any game released on the PlayStation Network to date and is the most pre-ordered game of all time on the PlayStation Network. Uh, Guilty, I also pre-ordered it on PSN. Um, so good for them. They killing it. People are uh, liking the game other than the people like me who have the same complaint about how like it feels really old. Um, but uh, that seems to be the only complaint I've seen people get. I'm honestly, I'm still surprised this game got so many tens based on that alone. Like the whole tap extra run, I feel like is worth half a point, but that's just me. Um, anyway, speaking of fallout. Uh, apparently if you're trying to play the beta for Fallout on PC, you ran into this crazy glitch that happened where apparently the, when you try to run the installer, it just deletes the fucking game. 
So, uh, according to Kotaku, the Fallout 76 beta started on PC, but at the 11th hour, a bug in Bethesda's launcher had unusually severe repercussions for some affected users. And on uh, Bethesda support on Twitter, they're like, uh, PC Fallout 76 beta players, we are aware of an issue with the client and are investigating. Do not click any buttons on the client for the time being. So it's like... You're like, click any buttons, what the fuck? And, <laughs> and the issue uh, wasn't your average freeze from Kotaku. It was a bug where clicking any button on the launch would delete the entire beta and force users to download just under 50 gigabytes all over again. And some people were also reporting that they didn't click anything. They just had the client open and they still had to reinstall everything. So uh, they're uh, addressing the issue. Uh, I'm not sure if it's fixed or not. But I believe they extended the hours of the beta to compensate for it. But uh, yeah, that's just a weird issue. I've never heard of that before. Um, Anyway, last little bit of news. Uh, Apparently, Nintendo is doing good and bad with their Switch. So um, they officially have outsold the lifetime sales of the GameCube as of September 30th. Uh, they have sold 22.86 million units worldwide, whereas the GameCube sold 21.74 in its lifetime. And uh, that uh, the data reveals from a uh, latest batch of financial data that um, this is from a Nintendo Life. The data reveals that the Switch sold 3.19 million units in the last quarter, meaning that the console has now shifted. 5.07 million units of this financial year and with two quarters to go they are well short of reaching their target of 20 million sales by the end of the fiscal quarter so they still have the holiday season naturally but for the sake of comparison 7.23 million switches were sold last holiday season so if you're keeping score at home they would need uh almost double that what is it i think just a little over double that just to, um, you know, hit their goal pretty much. So I don't think they're going to hit their goal. Uh, Switch is still doing good. It's outselling the GameCube. I think it has a strong chance to outsell the uh, 64 in its lifetime, which is at 32.93, uh, 32.93 million units sold in its lifetime. But um, I'm not sure if it'll pass the SNES uh, at just over 49 million units. Uh, Super Nintendo. Um, I'm not sure if it'll pass uh, the Nintendo at 61.91 million units. And I am almost certain it will not pass the 3DS or the um, Wii U just because Nintendo is starting to fall into the old pattern of, hey, people are only buying Nintendo games. Why make games for the console? So other than indie developers, it seems to be running into that issue again. Because, you know, most of the bigger games are only on the quote-unquote real consoles like Red Dead and Fallout. Those aren't coming to Switch anytime soon. So, um, hopefully Nintendo doesn't, like, do some giant long-term fuck-up with the Switch. I just hope they keep making great games for it. Uh, Pokemon Let's Go, Pikachu and uh, Let's Go Eevee comes out mid-November and Smash Bros. comes out early December. So between those two, I think sales should shoot up a bit, but I still think they're not going to hit that 20 million goal. They may hit 15, maybe 18, but I don't think they're going to hit 20. So um, 
on that note, let's uh, wrap it up. Um, I hope y'all had a good Halloween. I hope y'all have a good Thanksgiving since it's uh, officially Thanksgiving season starting tomorrow. And then, or as you're one of those people who don't give a fuck about my birthday, you probably think it's Christmas season already. Since my birthday is always on the weekend of Thanksgiving or the week of Thanksgiving, I have to acknowledge that Thanksgiving season matters. So, um, anyway, I hope y'all have a good night and day. Uh,